Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. The following interview is designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. Your host, Derek Champagne, is the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution, a full-service agency building successful brands, marketing tools, and campaigns, and also the author of the best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck. And now, let's begin today's Leadership Series interview. Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where our goal is to inspire you to become the best leader that you can be. We've got Bo Euler with us today. He is the founder of Enlisted Design and Erbio. You've probably seen him on Shark Tank, and he's got many other accolades. Bo, welcome to the program today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I, I, I remember watching you on Shark Tank uh, a couple of years ago. My wife and I thought the product was really mm -hmm. cool. Uh, was very innovative. You have uh, some highlights, um, 40 Under 40 with San Francisco Business Times, Diablo Magazine, uh, fastest growing private companies in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, listed as uh, Best Entrepreneurial Companies in America by Entrepreneur Magazine. That's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been exciting the last few years. Um, we've really, uh, I wouldn't say hit our stride because we're still accelerating, um, but the, the growth of the company and really the growth of the opportunities to design um, and innovate and create over the last couple of years has really been phenomenal. Yeah. Super grateful. Give me a little bit of your background. I mean, I know that you had a Kickstarter campaign, which I want yeah. to talk to you about that too, but maybe even back up before that, did you have an entrepreneurial background or design background prior to that? Give us some of the early days for you that yeah. highlights. Yeah, absolutely. So real early days, my, I grew up in uh, Central Coast, California, and my grandpa taught design down in LA for 30 years. Um, and so when I'd go visit my grandpa, he had this just amazing shop in, in, back behind their house. And I'd go, go, you know, go to LA for the week and we'd just build, we'd just make, we'd just create things out in the shop. Mm. And he would take me to a school to meet his students and to see the furniture that they were designing or the, um, uh, the products that they were designing. And, and I was always inspired by that, just this idea of making things and making things that makes people's lives, uh, better. And so, um, at first I was studying architecture and then, um, and then I had this epiphanous moment where I said, well, I don't want to design things that are, you know, massive. I want to design things that are, that can fit in someone's hand and that they can use every day. And so I, uh, I switched schools. I moved from Utah to, um, to San Francisco and, uh, went to the Academy of Art to study industrial design. And that's where the, you know, the day I walked into the ID school there, I just knew that I had met, um, kind of my purpose, my professional purpose in life. And so I went through the, the Academy there and then started my career in product design. Um, while I was in school, I was, uh, part of a very small, um, team for William Sonoma, the national retailer, and uh, designing um, high-end housewares and homewares and kitchen goods. And that was really cool to be able to work with different materials, you know, designing melamine mixing bowls that are still at William Sonoma. Oh, that's very um, cool. Or barbecue tools or, you know, being able to work with steel and wood and plastics. And, oh. and then, and then knowing, I mean, I'm, I'm a total techie. And so I, as much as I loved the home goods of William Sonoma, I really wanted to design tech products, um, but with that lifestyle approach to tech products. And so I went to a consultancy um, in San Francisco and one of the top consultancies and worked my way up there. I was lead designer. And then in 2008, 
um, decided to break off and, and start enlisted so that for, for a couple of reasons, really one was because it was, it was always my ultimate goal to start my own design agency. Hmm. And I wanted to do it at the right time and for the right reasons. And the reason uh, for me and the way that I worked was um, and, and still is extremely collaboratively. And so I loved the idea of being able to invite a client to the studio for the day and say, hey, you know, you are the best at what you do and I'm the best at what I do. Let's sit down and do it together hmm. rather than separately and kind of have this big reveal. And wow. so. And so that's why we're enlisted, because we literally enlist our clients into our creative team, and we we become so tight with our clients that they then enlist us in their business team. Hmm. And enlisted, it started with just myself and a and a business partner, and now we're um, thirty people um, based in Oakland, and we we essentially create and we create brands, we create products, we create meaningful experiences for consumers. Hmm. I love that. Thanks for sharing that part of your story. I love the collaboration angle. And we see a lot of, a lot of agencies that, that don't like to collaborate in that way, but rather like to do the big reveal. So that's an interesting concept. How has that been received? I imagine it's an amazing response to majority of your clients really appreciate being part of that process. Yeah, they, they really do. And you know, when, when a client comes into enlisted, um, you know, we're still this up and coming studio, right? So there's this mm-hmm. risk factor of, oh, wait, who's enlisted? Oh, wow, you guys do the work for them and them and them. Okay, cool. I think I can trust you. And then once they have a taste of our process and the collaboration, they don't go anywhere. They stay mm-hmm. and, and, and we just become closer and closer. So it's, uh, it, it's been received very, very well. Uh, hasn't been received as well by other design studios, <laughs> and and I and I'm okay with that because That's it's really great. it's really changing it's changing the model of design agency. And since we've been beating this drum for the last eight years of true collaboration, now we're starting to see other agencies mm-hmm. come out and say and do and kind of model after you know this this small mighty power here in Oakland. That's very cool. You kind of disrupted the industry the way that it was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we're, we're still doing that and, and really looking at what is next level collaboration and how do we get there? Hmm. That's really cool. Very cool to be pioneering it like that in your industry. Hey, tell me a little bit about your Kickstarter campaign. And I know you guys were very successful. Yeah. You had like a 500% over the, take mm-hmm. me through that process when you started the company. That's why. Yeah, you bet. So kind of two different companies here. Um, it started with Enlisted Design and that's, who, that's our design studio that we still have today. Right. Mm-hmm. But at Enlisted, we, we had this need, and the need was um, kind of small space organization. How do we store all this stuff that's all over our desks in a way that can get it off of our desks and, and still be beautiful? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then likewise, we were looking at kind of designing out our studio space and thought, gosh, let's bring the outdoors in and have, you know, be able to grow plants indoors. And so we just started kind of tinkering and, and building and, and ideating around this idea of kind of small space, small containers that could contain everything from pens to plants. And we built a few prototypes, um, and then, uh, and, and my business partner had this idea of, of magnets. So wouldn't it be fun to put magnets in these little pots, these little storage pots that you could um, create this modular system all over your wall to be able to store. Hmm. And so 
we built some prototypes and we did a Kickstarter campaign. This was in year one of Kickstarter. Okay. So like okay. hardly anybody had heard of Kickstarter yet. Okay. And, um, and we became one of the highest uh, grossing Kickstarter projects of the year. Hmm. And it just took off like, like wildfire. And, and so we closed the Kickstarter campaign that helped us pay for tooling to be able to, uh, to launch the, the brand. Um, but, but and it was exciting to do that. But for us, it really was a matter of us as enlisted saying, okay, this is what we do for our clients. We create brands, we create um, products, we create packaging, we create in-store merchandising. Like at what point are we going to put our money where our mouth is and do it for ourselves? Yeah. And that's what Erbio, that's what Erbio is. Hmm. So we launched Erbio on Kickstarter um, and launched the website, myerbio.com at the same time, um, for direct orders as well. We killed it on Kickstarter, which was really fun. And then, um, about, I don't know, a few months after we closed our Kickstarter campaign, got a call from a producer at Shark Tank and, uh, the producer called and he just said, you know, my name's so-and-so and I just want to chat with you about Shark Tank. And now to, to give some context, I had watched Shark Tank up to that point every season, every episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was a huge, huge, like cool. okay. date night was my wife and I on the couch watching oh, yeah. Shark Tank right. and, me, and me going, honey, I'm going to be on that show one day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so when this guy called, I was just, you know, beyond stoked. Yeah. But what was interesting about it is that, um, is that, you know, that season they had 24,000 applicants apply wow. for the show. And so he was pre-screening me before I ever applied. And he basically quizzed me for about two hours on the phone. You know, What's your favorite episode? What's your, who's your favorite shark and why? What's huh. your favorite experience that you've seen on the show? What would you do in this scenario? What, and I, I, and evidently I answered him correctly because at the end he said, you've got to apply for the show. Wow. So we applied um, you know, we had to go through the same process that everybody else did. Uh, and, and we did, and we got on the show and we got to make our pitch and that, that moment changed everything for this, this, you know, idea, this Erbio brand that we had created. Hmm. That's amazing. You had three sharks that were interested in your product. Yeah. I mean, you know, having watched the show and seeing how people just get pummeled on the right. show, we didn't, we didn't exactly know what was going to happen. And, and let's put it in context also, like us on the show, Jared and I, we were business partners of a design studio. We were not MBAs. Hmm. Okay. And, and here we were launching our second company and, um, as designers, right? So this is very brand forward, design forward company. Right. And ultimately that's, that's what sold it yeah, on Kickstarter, on, on the Shark Tank. So you did a deal so, with, with yeah, the shark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we did. So we have three different sharks um, fighting after it and raising our valuation for us, <laughs> which which you don't see very often no, you, on the no, show. No, no, you, you do not. <laughs> and that must have been a surreal experience for you there, especially having. I mean, we've, we've interviewed people had had not heard of the show or had barely seen it, but then we've others yeah. that are fans. But for you to have seen all the episodes and. And knowing what could happen in there, good and bad, yeah. it's pretty surreal to see them uh, raising your evaluation like that. So walk yeah, me through the rest of the experience. Yeah, so uh, we ended up partnering with Lori Grenier, and we did that um, because of her retail experience uh, with QVC and then you know with others as well. 
And, um, and, and what's cool about Shark Tank, A, is that you have 9 million people watching the show. So, you know, show me a better platform to launch a new brand right. than Shark Tank. Right. That's a B you have this, the, these sharks who are experts in their different fields, um, who want to be your partner. Right. So we partnered with Lori and, um, after the show, it, it just goes into contracting. Right. So the show itself is kind of like a, like a dating service. Okay. <laughs> There's no contracts from just being on the show. And then afterwards you go into the contracting and, um, contracting was tough. I'll be honest. It was really tough. And we didn't agree to the terms that Lori set out and she didn't agree to the terms that we requested. And so after about four or five months of trying to figure it out, we ended up not taking her funding, hmm. um, and, and not partnering up with her. But tell me about it was your unfortunate. But what about post Shark Tank? Tell me about the sales that came after the product, and just tell me what a platform that was for you, though. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. So we um, we grossed a hundred thousand dollars in sales within days of being on Shark Tank on our website on myerbio.com. Um, it brought huge attention to Erbio. It brought huge attention to Enlisted Design, and um, you know, and our phones were just ringing on both companies. And it was great. And people were buying the product. Um, shortly after Shark Tank, we launched in the container store in all 60 stores that wow. they had. Um, and that was great. And they actually gave us uh, an opportunity to, to be on NCAP in all of their stores. Wow. And to this day, we're, Erbio is still on NCAP at the container store wow. now, two and a half, three years later. That's correct. That's, yeah, getting an NCAP enough is hard store. to do, but to keep it for that long mm-hmm. is impressive. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, it is. And it really set the tone. So what happens within retailers is is retail buyers are looking for Halo brands, right? And a Halo brand, it may not be the highest grossing um, product or the highest velocity product in their store, but it elevates their category. Mm-hmm. And so when we're looking at Erbio in garden or Erbio in organization, the, the, the different buyers from Target to uh, container store to uh, Office Max, Office Depot, Staples, they all recognized Erbio for a well-designed, well-branded, really smart, fun product. And mm-hmm. so it became this halo brand that was sought after by these buyers. And so we got NCAP in every single one of those stores. <laughs> That's incredible. It, tell me any other highlights, too, coming out of that experience. Yeah, so um, we separated Erbio as a company from Enlisted, mm-hmm. and the Erbio team that we had hired moved out and moved down the street in downtown Oakland and o- opened up their own office. We hired a CEO uh, from New York to come in and help us um, scale the company, and and that's just what we did. So within one year, uh, we scaled from about 80 stores to 1,500 stores. Wow. And uh, and nationwide, hmm. and we and that was massive growth, and it was scary, and it was exciting, and um, and we were able to really get in a lot of get our product into a lot of people's homes. So it was really really fun. I remember interviewing somebody that grew too fast with Walmart and took yeah. on more stores than they could handle, and they were pretty open about oh, here's what we probably should have done differently, or here's what we did really well. Any hindsight yeah. saying you know here's a few that we weren't expecting to run into that we overcame or that were surprises that stand out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a very fine balance between aspiration and insanity, <laughs> and that's what I learned in this process. 
Okay. okay. You want <laughs> aspirational goals. You want goals that are audacious, aspirational, and that everyone can look at and as a team say, yes, yes, we are going to do that. And we did that, but our goals were not aspirational. Our goals were insane. <laughs> and what that did is it, is it fired us up and gave us the energy and excitement to go and launch in 1,500 stores in one year, hmm. okay, which is awesome. Right. Um, but what it also did is it is we became reckless in mm. accomplishing those goals. And so we took on a ton of debt to be able to fund all of that product. We um, went into, you know, home, let's take Office Depot, Office Max, for example. Instead of saying, hey, let's just go into 400 stores like we did with Target, um, we had the opportunity to go in all 1,200 of their stores. Mm. And we took the opportunity. And, um, and what happens is a brand like Urbio, it's, um, it's, it's not applicable to every or it's not desirable to every consumer market. And so we had some Office Depot stores that couldn't keep it on the shelf. Right. And we had some Office Depot stores who, like, they didn't sell anything. Hmm. And, but because we decided to launch in all of their stores, um, we got – bit and we got mm. bit hard. And so there was a lot of product that, um, that had to go on discount and we had to pay those discounts. And mm. so ultimately the business uh, got into a position where we had to change our trajectory of okay. you know, massive tech startup type growth to more responsible um, scale growth. And what happened though is that we had had so much momentum on the massive growth that we got into a place where uh, we became over leveraged as a company and mm-hmm. had to make some really tough decisions. And the tough decisions were do we raise more capital or do we sell the brand? Hmm. And so we chose to sell the company, uh, to sell the brand. And so in February of this year, um, we sold Erbio to a, a really cool company out of Chicago called Honey Can Do. Yeah. And, um, and so Honey Can Do does mostly private label um, products for Bed Bath & Beyond, Target, Container Store, Walmart. And, um, and they were looking for a Halo brand, a, a, a line of products that have a really strong brand that resonates with consumers. And so it was just a really good fit for both companies, and, and we sold sold Erbia to them earlier this year. Mm. Man, thanks for sharing your experience there. That's a good lesson for many of us. And uh, yeah. when you're making that decision, I can't imagine when you're having that kind of tech growth. I mean, that's so exciting. I mean, that is an entrepreneur's dream. To have. Mm-hmm. That's the addiction. That's the, that's your reward. And mm-hmm. so I can imagine when yeah. you realize you're doing a slower, more scaled growth, that it's tough to keep the motivation after what you've seen. How did you guys, from a mental standpoint, how did your team pull together and, and make the best decision? What was that like for you guys? Yeah, it was very difficult. And um, we had to let some some key people go who weren't in line with that decision, hmm. and um, and that was tough because you know we were a small team, and we were a team that many of us had worked together for four, five, six years, and so um, you know it was really tough to have to to make those decisions. But then once we got down to the kind of core leadership we just knew what the right thing to do was. Right. And, and like, and likewise, we knew what we had to do because mm-hmm. the company had been over, over leveraged. Um, we were really stuck in this position of, okay, well, you know, 
are we going to sell? Are we going to raise capital? Or what, what are we going to do here? And really what it came down to is we knew that a company like Honey Can Do would be able to grow the Erbio brand and put it in more people's homes right. than we could do on our own. Yeah. And that's where when, when you're an entrepreneur and you love this thing that you've created, right? And it has mm-hmm. its personality and it has its, its uh, you know, products, it has its brand. You want that brand to, to thrive. That's right. And so you have to ask yourself, is it going to thrive in my household or is it going to thrive better in someone else's? And when that someone else has a business and a business model that can scale your brand or your idea, for me, it was a simple solution because I looked at Honey Can Do and I, and I saw that they could scale my dream and my vision into something greater than I could. Hmm. That's and, that, and that's really cool. You you guys did what a lot of people aspire for a lifetime and don't accomplish, which is building something that is a value that that your that's your baby, but you make it bigger than you, and so it needed to yeah. uh, it needed to continue on. And so that's awesome. That's that's uh that's really cool that you guys did that. Congratulations. Thanks, and, and I feel fortunate to be able to recognize kind of the right timing and the right opportunity. And I think that came really from my work at Enlisted, where we partner with startups, you know, and also just from friends here in the Bay Area, where, you know, somebody will start a company and Google will come along or whoever will come along and say, yeah, great company. We totally believe in you. We want to acquire you and bring you in-house. You know, here's $50 million. Right. And, and I've known people time and time again who say, What? No, 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 no. My company, my idea is way bigger than $50 million. Hmm. And so they don't sell, right? And then, right. you know, a couple of years later, they fold, they right. fold, or they, you know, sell for $5 million or they, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, right? Right. And now that's not always the case. And I'm, I'm certainly the, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, okay? Mm-hmm. But the question that an entrepreneur needs to ask themselves is how, if they really believe in their product, then how can they how can they execute on the idea or on the company in a larger way on a larger stage? And so when a Google comes along or a Honey Can Do comes along and says, hey, I can take this and scale it, I think that if you really love your brand, you need to look at it and go, yeah, yeah, yes, let's do this together and let's scale this thing bigger. Yeah. When you look back on it, and, and not a regrets, but when you look back, let's say there's somebody at the point right now where they're they're about to do uh, aspirational or insanity. <laughs> do you? What are some recommendations you have for them in that in that in that scale process if they're looking at the stores? Is is one of the pieces simply to under, understand which market you're going into and what the demand is, and not taking on more than you can than you can? I mean, what what lessons do you learn there if you look back and say, here's a couple pieces of quick advice if you are at, at that point right now? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's um, business is a numbers game, and there's different ways of looking at numbers. The um, you know logistical way of looking at okay, you know, am I covering my costs? Am I profitable? Like keeping on top of those numbers is an absolute must. Mm-hmm. Um, inventory, right? Production, mm-hmm. that's an absolute must. But then getting caught into the numbers game of Kind of on the flip side, there's getting caught in the numbers game of, you know, how many people am I, is my team going to be? Or how many stores am I going to be in? And and to, to me, like getting caught in that idea of we're going to be in 1,500 stores, we're going to be in 5,000 stores, our company's worth 10 million, 50 million, 100 million. 
Like those aren't the numbers that are important. And so don't get caught up in, no, 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 we have to be in 1,200 stores by the end of the year. 1,200 stores where 600 of them are not selling your product are not going to prove to your investors that they should invest more Hmm. versus 600 stores where you're making money. Right. That's good advice. So, you know, be in the numbers, but don't get caught up in the pride numbers. Hmm. Man, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. It's great advice. You've been, you've done some amazing things. Can you tell anything exciting coming up for you that you're, that's on the horizon that you want to tell us about? Oh my gosh. <laughs> or that you can. Me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the amazing thing about what we do at Enlisted, right? Is that it's like, we're, we're creating the future of everything. Yeah. I mean, so cool. we're working on, I mean, I can't, how about this? I can either tell you the brands we're working for or the products we're working on. Either one, whatever you're most comfortable with. (laughs) All right. I'll skip the brands, right? We're designing pieces of of an electric car Hmm. right now that's going to be in production in three years. We're designing a brand and a product line for a truly wireless charging company. Right, mm. so being able to charge your phone, your computer, your Fitbit, whatever, without having to touch anything. Wow. Um, we're designing, uh, you know, we're rebranding um, and repackaging one of the largest um, natural foods companies in America right now. Hmm. And um, and you know, so one of our clients um, grew from you know a fifty million dollar family company to you know half a billion dollar company. Um, partly because of the branding and the design work that we did. So mm. it's like these things that we're working on really are going to um, gonna shape the future. And that that's so exciting. And that's why I love agency life, right? Where mm. you don't know who's going to walk in the front door or who's going to call. Right. But those opportunities to be able to change categories, change markets, and ultimately change people's lives – you know, that's what's so exciting. Mm. And, and the fact that we get to do it through, you know, branding and strategy and packaging and industrial design, that those are just kind of our tools of telling those stories of those brands. Yeah, that's cool. You guys do an incredible work at your agency. You've received every major design award, Red Dot, Spark, Idea, Good Design, The Die Line, uh, Wired Editor's Choice, and Best of Show from uh, Dwell on Design. Congratulations on, on the company that you've built. Thanks. Thanks. I feel you know super grateful, and certainly, certainly it's not just me. Um, you know, I I lead the company, but I mean the the minds and the people that are here, the designers are just so so talented. How do you how do you recruit and how do you retain your team? What's your approach? Um, this is a great question. Recruiting uh, is one of the biggest challenges within within you know creative agency world, mm-hmm. uh, especially here in the Bay Area. The Bay Area is is the mecca for design. Right? If you look at the hottest design studios in the world, um, the vast majority of them are here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, our our vision is to create the Bay Area's most sought-after design agency. Mm-hmm. And that's both for clients as well as for, um, for designers. And so, you know, our call to action both for potential clients as well as as potential designers, um, is for ultimately for them to be able to say, "I wasn't recruited, I enlisted." Hmm. 
right? So our right. best recruiting tool is creating the type of agency that clients want to work with, creating the type of agency that designers want to work with hmm. so that we're not recruiting them, but rather they're putting their name in and saying, I want to work with you. I want to be part of this thing. I want to be part of something bigger than me, part of something that's going to change the design agency model hmm. that, you know, that is stale and that needs to be changed. And ultimately that's what, that's what we're doing. So what are you most proud of? Huh. What am I most proud of? Um, I'm most proud of my family. I have uh, two just awesome kids, 10 and four. My wife and I are about to celebrate our 15th anniversary. Uh, congratulations. We got married really young. <laughs> she was 21, I was 22, and we got married. That's awesome. And we're more in love today than, than we were even back then. Awesome. And, um, and I can, you know, my family is my family. Um, and I also extend my family into, into Enlisted. And mm. the people that we work with here, that we work together, um, you know, we've had a couple kind of, uh, you know, strategists come in and interview employees at the company and almost every single person has said something along the lines of, it just feels like a family here. Hmm. We support each other, right? We watch out for each other. Um, it happens all the time where it's, you know, five or six o'clock in the evening and one designer will finish up their work and I'll see them turn to the designer next to him and say, Hey, I'm finished up. What do you need help with? Wow. Right. And to create that, that sense of, of family, um, within a business, I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, I'm really proud of that. Hmm. Uh, and obviously, you know, super proud of the work that we do yeah. as a result of that. How did you create that environment? What are some obvious steps that you took? Is it just having the right hires? I mean, what, what have you done intentionally in your organization to have that kind of collaboration and, and culture? Uh, first and foremost, to live it, right? That's what I do. So when I end a design review, you know, sometimes, I mean, design, like designers have thick skin. We have to, right? Yes. Because yep. you're putting this passion, your heart up on the wall for a design director to come in and just rip it apart. Right. And to give you feedback that sometimes is really hard to hear. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we're always striving to design that next level thing. And so, you know, it can be really harsh, but our design reviews end with, okay, you know, X, Y, and Z, do you guys understand what needs to happen? Yes. Awesome. What can I do to help you support you in accomplishing that? Hmm. Right. And then they'll say, oh, well, this is what I need. I need an extra day or I need you to go buy me lunch so that I can sit at my desk and do this or whatever it is. Right. right. And then the design directors have, they end that way. Right. And then the designers end their conversations that way where, right. you know, the end goal is to always create next level design, but we're going to do it in a way that people are going to want to be part of it, both, you know, both our clients and, and our designers. And so right. we support each other in doing that. I think another thing that's help, that helps with that is that the majority of my designers have been at, at large studios, you know, big either industrial design studios or graphic design studios, branding studios in the best of the best studios. And mm -hmm. um, each of them have sought a position, you know, they've gone from the big famous studio to enlisted a smaller studio because they want to be part of something bigger. And I don't mean bigger as in we're going to become the worldwide big studio. I mean something bigger like like we're doing, you know, next level work 
every time. And we're doing it in a way, in a collaborative process that doesn't exist anywhere else. And that feels like we're growing something together. You know, so it kind of feels like startup culture, even within the agency environment. And they want to be part of that. And so people, you know, there's a sense of passion that comes with a startup that, uh, that, that we embody and that we feel here. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. So how do you, how do you, how do you keep balance in your life? I I like to ask our guests this because we're all, a lot of, a lot of our guests are entrepreneurs and we're, we're, we're figuring out how to, how to have balance with our families and with, I mean, all things that are equally important to us. What, What are some things that you do to make sure that you have balance? Um, I don't know that I do have balance. <laughs> well, that's what we're all struggling with. <laughs> I don't know that I'm the right person to ask that question to. So you'll um, agree. So balance, is, balance is a struggle. <laughs> balance is the struggle is real. Yes, it is. Well, that's, um, that's a good honest yeah. answer. So, you know, it, it is. The struggle is real and it always has been. Yeah. You know, the balance was hard in school. Balance was hard when I was an employee. Hmm. Balance is hard as an entrepreneur. And I, I find that, that life just keeps getting busier. And so I have to become more efficient at the things I'm going to choose to do. Yeah. Right. Because, and this is something I remind, you know, friends and, and colleagues and, and people that I mentor is there are 24 hours in a day. Okay, when was the last time you did one thing for 24 hours? Regardless of what it was, it felt like a long time. (laughs) Okay, you have 24 hours in a day. How are you going to use that time? And, you know, and and so just minimizing the waste of time, you know, like we we don't have a game console in my house Hmm. because I'm not going to waste time doing that. Right. Right. A show has to be like stranger things caliber to even catch a minute of my, (laughs) of my attention. Sure. Okay. Right. And so, you know, I go without a lot of that pop media Mm -hmm. that takes time. And, and so I just, for me, um, you know, I, I tried to decide on committing myself to the things that at the end of the day, when, I kneel down and close my day or when I lay in my bed and close my day, I, I feel like they were value. They were valuable things. Hmm. And that's, you know, taking care of myself, taking care of my family, taking care of my people. And if I can do that right in everything I do, then I feel like I'm, I'm putting my chips in the right, on the right number. Hmm. That's great. Thank you. Appreciate your honesty in this interview. Uh, very inspiring. Is there anything else you want to share? Yeah. I just say to, to entrepreneurs, you know, I, I was that guy at work eight years ago, nine, almost nine years ago, who for years had this thing in the back of my mind that was, you know, one day I'm going to start my own design agency. Hmm. And, and I, I worked, you know, I worked 50 hours at the agency that I worked at. And then I worked 40 hours nights and weekends on my own work, Hmm. getting clients and learning. Right. And I would just learn everything I could, everything I could from everyone I could. And I would constantly be asking questions and just, you know, just, just trying to glean all the information I could off of any of my directors, any of my bosses. Um, you know, if I could get time with the owner of the company, I'd just ask him all these questions and, and then, you know, get to a place where, 
you know, I was able to make that move to be able to do it for myself. So I would just say, if you have that feeling inside of like, you know, one day I want to do this thing, like start doing it now by learning mm-hmm. and preparing so that when you do make the jump, you're ready for it. Yeah. And then just surround yourself with the right, with the right people to, to mentor you. And you've had quite a, you've had quite a ride once you made that decision. It's been quite a ride. And the crazy <laughs> thing is like, we're, let's see, in April, we'll be nine years old at Enlisted, and Erbio will be six years old. Mm. Okay? So, you know, it's been, it's been quite a ride, but the crazy thing is it just keeps accelerating. Yeah. That's amazing. Like faster and faster and, and better. And so it's really, you know, I, I feel super blessed, super fortunate to, to be able to have these experiences. Man, I really appreciate you being our guest today, Bo. Uh, love your story. Uh, love what you're doing. Amazing company, uh, EnlistedDesign.com. If, if uh, our listeners want to see uh, the kind of things that you're doing, in, any other contact information, or is that the best website? Yeah, EnlistedDesign.com uh, is the best. And then social media, uh, Instagram, uh, just Bo Euler and Enlisted Design. Awesome. Bo, thanks again for being our guest, my friend. I I, I look forward to watching the things that you're doing and to following and continuing to follow all the exciting things that your company's doing and you you as well. Yeah, you as well. Thank you so much for letting me be part of your show and best to you and best to your listeners. Thank you. Have a good one. You've been listening to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. This interview was designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. 